It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am excited. I have Karen Neola on the show today. Karen Neola is the owner and founder of MyPerfectPet.com, MyPerfectPet.com. First company to launch cooked frozen pet food nationally. And she's got uh, kind of a cool story, uh, kind of a sad story, but I'm excited to have her on the show and talk about what she does, how my perfect, my perfect pet got started, and um, some of the challenges that she's had. Before we get started, I want to say hello to After Schools All Stars. So if you're looking to support a great charity, <clears throat> afterschoolallstars.org. Uh, they help something like 250,000 children nationwide with after-school programs, no cost to them. Check them out, After-School Allstars. They do great work. Um, anyway, let's get the party started. Uh, Karen Neola from MyPerfectPet.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. All right, so... Uh, I know there's a, a little bit of sadness to your story, but why don't you tell the audience a little bit about My Perfect Pet and how you got started? Well, My Perfect Pet actually started after the fact. I don't have children. I have puppies and kittens, and I've had a variety of animals. When I was growing up, my parents nicknamed me Karen's Reject Animal Farm because if there was anything they needed at home, I tried to bring it home. You know, if my parents said no, then I tried to hide it in my bedroom. But um, I've had dogs and cats most of my life now I just have dogs but my dog Hunter uh, my lab uh, died very unexpectedly January 3rd of 2007 and I subsequently found out that that was because of a number of pet foods that I'd been feeding kind of a you know little rotation diet and all of those pet foods ended up being recalled you know starting in March and and on and I was devastated and I was angry uh, I felt very betrayed by pet food companies and the more I learned about what was in the ingredients in the pet food, and the more I learned about the pet food industry in general, the angrier I became. So I swore I would never buy commercial pet food again, and I would start making my own. And uh, if I wanted to make my own, it was going to have to be perfect. And now you know where I got the name, My Perfect Pet. But I started initially with a, a drive to educate pet owners on how to make healthier choices. If, if pet owners knew what was really in the pet food that they were feeding, they would be able to make healthier choices and we would have healthier pets. So my business model actually started as a nonprofit trying to educate pet owners on how to make healthier choices for their pets. The mission statement has never changed. Improving pet health through education and nutrition. Education first uh, with that as a passion. The business just continued to grow. I actually for two years tried not to start a business because uh, you know I have an R&D engineering background. So Starting a pet food company was like the furthest thing from my mind. But um, as the business continued to grow, I realized that, like it or not, I had a national business growing. And so it has become now the passion to not only supply the what I, what I believe is the healthiest pet food available, but also to continue the mission for educating pet owners on how to make healthier choices for their pets. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. So... Let's talk about some of these uh, health issues. Uh, what are the common health issues 
that you uh, found that uh, are attributed to diet for our pets? There are so many health issues, you know, like how much, how much time do we have? <laughs> yeah. You'll yeah. have to give me the signal when it's time yeah. to stop. But there are so many health issues that are directly attributed to diet. Obesity, for example. I mean, over 54%, I think, of dogs are clinically obese. Wow. Over 51% of cats are clinically obese. And obesity is 100% resolvable through diet. Right. Uh, you know, our feeding directions say feed according to what they should weigh. Not what they'd like to weigh. My dogs would like to weigh 400 pounds, but that would not be healthy. My sister at one point said, you should be embarrassed. You own a pet food company and you have skinny dogs. And I said, no, I have healthy dogs. You have a fat dog. You know, you can tell your sister that. But, and I have learned, so many people ask, do you think your, do you think my pet is overweight? And over the years, I've learned that the correct answer is not yes, because they don't really want to hear that. So I lead into, you know, a little you know how you can tell is run your hands along the, the rib cage and you know can you tell where the rib cage ends and the correct answer is yes if you can't probably need to drop a few pounds uh can you feel the rib cage at all can you feel the bones the ribs if the answer is no you need to drop a little bit of weight sometimes people say oh it feels bony well maybe they need to add a couple of pounds so i encourage people regularly you know run your hands up and down the rib cage especially if you have a big fluffy furry pets, you know, make sure that you've got the right weight on, on the pets, but obesity is, is 100% curable. A lot of companies sell the diet foods, the low carb foods, the low fat foods, the, you know, the, the light, it's like feed them slightly less, but still give them the same fresh whole real food, you know, back to what we said earlier, feed according to what they should weigh, not what they'd like to weigh. Very clever of the companies to want you to still buy as much food, just have it the low calorie or the lighter food but the reality is if you cut back just a little bit on the quantity it's probably okay um, so that's, oh, that's so funny thing. real quick <laughs> what's yes. so funny about that is that that is the exact recipe for uh, us humans right i mean <laughs> you know what is it like 40 percent of uh of us uh, uh of americans are overweight or obese say whatever it is and again right. uh you can go with the fad diets the you know, the, the low carb or, or the low fat, but the reality is it's the quantity. You got to restrict your quantity. You got to move more. And, uh, and I think it, it almost, you know, I like your rib cage test that applies to humans too. If you can't, tell. we're not going to do this. Right now. <laughs> What's that? I said, we're not going to do that right now. Are we? Because I do it on my all the time. But, uh, That's it. If you can't feel your ribs, then you probably need to lose a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, I'm a real stickler with the pets. And often I hear parents say, well, you know, they blame it on the kids. Well, the kids feed the dogs a lot of treats. Okay. Try taking a third of the food for breakfast and a third for dinner. And then a third put into the treat bowl for the kids and say, all right, you can feed the dog the treats or the cat. Anytime you want, this is yours to feed us treats. At the end of the day, they still got their regular food. But yes, I, I agree with you. Much easier said than done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, so, so this is interesting to me because how, you know, how do you know how much food you should feed your dog? What's the formula for that? Well, I wish I could tell you that there's an exact formula, one size fits all. It's kind of like people, you know, some people it's like they barely eat and it seems like they struggle with weight and others can go out and it seems like 
wow, they eat four times as much as I do and they never put on a pound. So metabolisms do vary, but feeding, feeding guidelines are based on averages. So if your dog gets out and runs with you five miles every morning, they're going to burn more calories than if the dog sits like, you know, mine is doing right now, sits <laughs> under my desk sound asleep. It's like, okay, she's not burning very many calories. So there are general feeding guidelines of this is what they they should eat based on the weight that they should be, not the weight they are. If they're overweight, right. don't feed the fat. If they're underweight, don't starve them. So what should they weigh? Follow those feeding amounts and then adjust slightly up, slightly down, depending on, um, you know, activity level, age, breed, metabolism. I used to have that all laid out in a, a matrix when I started and people would say, oh, your food is far too confusing. And it's like, okay, well, I didn't mean to make it confusing then. So we, we published the general guidelines. This is how much per day for this average, for this average uh, dog. And, yeah. and then feed accordingly. Puppies are going to burn a lot more. So puppy formulas, you always need to feed a little bit more for them. And older dogs, you know, almost always you need to feed a little bit less. All right. So uh, it's back to the uh, some of the other health issues, that you, the, the most common health issues or some of the common health issues that you see uh, with uh, diet. Because, again, you know, just like humans, uh, you can eat a uh, you can fill your your diet with crappy food. Uh, and there's certainly lots of crappy pet food out there. Uh, uh, what are some of the other common health issues that you've seen because of poor diet? Uh, diabetes is becoming more and more common. Uh, the number of cases it is rocketing. It cats as well as dogs. Right. Yes. Wow. Uh, a lot of that pe people don't understand how many carbs are really in a lot of the foods they're feeding, particularly the dry foods. Some of those dry foods can be 60, 70, even 80% carb. So when people think they're getting a good deal on the shelf, well, look at the price of this bag of food or look at the price per pound. What they don't realize is the price per pound they're actually paying for fillers and carbohydrates. So getting down to lowering the carbohydrates, lowering the, the fillers, lowering the what you call the crappy ingredients in those foods. Uh, the cost per pound to feed the pet really isn't isn't always as, as great as, as people think. And then if you factor, there's no delicate way to say this, but if you factor the waste, you know, what, what the pets don't absorb in their system, uh, it's just waste. I call that gardening. So if you look at the price per pound that you're paying on the shelf and how much you're cleaning up in the backyard, the price per pound for what's actually being utilized in the pet, I think would shock a lot of pet owners to realize how much they're spending on the waste uh, as opposed to just the healthy food. So diabetes is um, another common health issue that I'm not suggesting that we can eliminate diabetes, but I know based on a number of veterinarians who provide reports to us and what we hear from uh, pet parents is that once they get the pets on a healthier diet, uh, you know, a lot of the symptoms, a lot of the health issues, such as diabetes, are either much more controlled or perhaps they can be controlled in some cases just through diet. Kidney disease is another very common and skyrocketing health issue. Uh, my belief is over the course of years of feeding, uh, you know, the, the lower cost, the lower end uh, pet foods, it just taxes the system over those years. They have to struggle a lot harder to process the food. And at some point, the kidneys say, whoop done um, and they suggest that lower phosphorus foods uh, more whole foods again muscle meats are a fantastic source of energy for both dogs and 
cats, very highly digestible. I mean, up in the upper 90s, you know, percent digestible, very little waste. One of our nicknames as a company is My Perfect Poop because there's so much less coming out the back end because it's all utilized. Again, hard to market My Perfect Poop, but, you know, that that becomes a a decent nickname. But there, you know, allergies. Um, Again, I could go on and on, but so many, so many issues. Oh, do you hear my dog in the background saying hi? I totally (laughs) it. Must mean the male is here, you know, the highlight of the day. Um, so many issues are blamed on allergies. My dog has allergies. Well, what kinds of allergies? Well, some studies say suggest that as much as 80% of allergy symptoms disappear if you eliminate all of the ingredients that could contain toxins or other allergens. Eliminate the synthetic nutrients, the synthetic substances. Get rid of the known allergens. You know, we know some ingredients are not good for pets, so get those out of the pet system entirely. Even even pets who say, or pet owners who say, well, my dog's allergic to chicken. Well, not the chicken that I feed him, but, you know, chicken dog food. That tells you right there the difference in what is in commercially available pet foods, most of them, and the what you call the real chicken that you put on your plate. People use the term chicken. They think, oh, chicken, made with real chicken. So they look at this boneless, skinless chicken breast on their plate, and they go, oh, my pet food is made with this same real chicken. Not even close. Uh, if it says chicken meal or, you know, other other terms used for the chicken, then you know it's not the same. Those are the leftover scraps, byproducts, rancid. If If you've ever been anywhere near a rendering plant, then you know that they stack those scraps up until they're just extremely rancid, often outdoors, and then they render them down and turn them into pet food ingredients. But people aren't picturing that. They're looking at, oh, chicken. Uh, This is kind of another topic, which I won't launch into right now, but companies like My Perfect Pet who do use the the boneless, skinless, fresh, real pieces of chicken and beef and all of that, uh, we're not allowed to claim that um, in our marketing claims. So we are still only allowed to use the same term, chicken. So again, it's very difficult for pet food companies to really differentiate the the ingredients because we're all supposed to use chicken. And pet food is called pet food, even though most of it is made primarily or exclusively with feed ingredients. So feed mm. versus food. Somehow pet food is allowed to be called food, even though really it is a feed product. But yet the company is using real whole food, like My Perfect Pet, we're not allowed to make that distinction in the claims. So there are many areas that I'm that I'm kind of an activist in, and that is one of them. I need to I need to tread lightly in that area because I still need to keep my products on the shelf. But again, you know, when we go to a restaurant, we don't sit down and say, uh, before I eat this, I need to confirm that this is really human grade because we know it's going to be human grade, and human grade is only used in really the pet food industry to try to differentiate uh, the feed versus the food. Um, but Pet food companies don't need to say not fit for human consumption on every label because it's just assumed that it's not. So the challenge then is on the companies who do follow those same higher food standards to be able to differentiate those. So I'm getting off a little bit off of our um, ingredients or the the health issues. I'm getting back to allergies, which say a lot of times when you eliminate all of those other types of ingredients and just go on fresh whole food, it's like magic. Those allergy symptoms seem to disappear. Because I think, number one, you don't have those in the pet system. And two, you're helping to boost a healthier immune system so that the system is able to kind of, you know, work those things out internally. So um, anyway, there's a long list of, of health sure. issues that we know can be directly attributed to 
diet if people understood how to make those healthier choices. Absolutely. But again, what's interesting is the parallel between the, I guess, the hu the human food and the pet food, because again, there are a lot of companies out there that will tell you, uh, you know, will market their food as healthy and there's just a bunch of crap in it. And this again, for human consumption, um, there, you know, there is a, uh, a chain of restaurants that got busted for uh, serving uh, fish for uh, as salmon when it was actually something else. Uh, so, you know, if they're doing this to humans, uh, you know, the, the standard is even less for, for our pets. And of course, somebody who loves their pets, they're not just inanimate objects you know our pets are part of our family and, and we love them like that right and and uh i think that most people who are passionate about their pets probably are are conscious to see what they're being fed um so let me ask you this what should we be looking for in a pet food because again you, you go to the supermarket and there's all these dry dog foods and cat foods as well and i my vet has told me that dry dog food is still the best. And is that true? I mean, give, give me your take on what should I be looking for as far as dry dog food or dry cat food? What ingredients should I avoid? Talk about this a little bit. Well, I, I, I need to be careful because, uh, again, I don't want to offend the wrong, the wrong right. people. I don't feed my pets any dry food at all. Zero. Um, not everybody can afford exclusively fresh food, but I know far too much about what goes into the, the dry foods, the kibbles. And, um, I've been in far too many meetings where people lock elbows and say, well, we know what we all really do. And I'm like, oh, good to know, because I don't really do that. But, uh, I, I know that fresh is best. And so I personally don't feed dry food at all. There are certainly higher ends and lower ends. So I encourage people, no matter what type of food you're feeding, try to move to a higher end. Okay, how do we know what that higher end is? I think a lot of the claims out there should be criminal for what they're stating because pet owners are bombarded by claims from every company. You know, we're all saying the same thing. We've got such a narrow band of what we're allowed to say and what we're not allowed to say. So we all kind of say the same thing um, because we're, we're so limited by the regulations. But looking for pet food ingredients, one one key is look at your list, particularly in dry food, because it all has to have supplements, synthetic supplements in, put in in order to produce a cable product. But if you look at that list of ingredients, know what every one of those ingredients is. When you see this long list of synthetic amino acids, well, proteins are comprised of amino acids. So one sure way to tell how much real meat your pet food has in it is to look at that list of amino acids. If they have to add synthetic amino acids, there's not a lot of real meat. Another test is whether or not it can sit on the shelf for months and months and months. If it's made with real meat and it doesn't have preservatives, it cannot sit in the shelf for months and months. Nobody argues that bologna isn't highly processed and preserved, but you know what your bologna looks like after a few weeks in the refrigerator. So apply the same principle to your pet foods. Does it have real meat? Well, think about what is in it. Look at the ingredients list. Uh, Fresh whole food almost always has a very short ingredients list. We don't have to add all the synthetics. I've actually been to a number of, you know, supplement shows, nutri nutrient shows where people are, you know, from all over the world, they come together and they want to sell you their supplements to put in the food. And sometimes I have fun with them. I'll say, okay, so I have a pet food company. So you're telling me that 
you know, how do you manufacture these and where do you manufacture? And they'll often come back and say, oh, 100% manufactured in a lab. So we have a 100% control over the quality. What about fresh food? Oh no, fresh food, it can spoil. You have to worry about shelf life. You have to worry about variability in the profile. No, ours is all done in the lab. I said, okay, great. So now 100% of the nutrients are produced in the lab. So then all I have to add are the fillers, right? I just add the fillers and you take care of everything else. I say, yep, that's right. You just add the fillers and we take care of everything else. I would love to record those conversations because people have no idea what they're spending their money on is a bunch of lab produced synthetic supplements held together by a bunch of fillers and told, sold as premium pet foods. So look at the labels, look at the ingredients. If you see certain ingredients, if you think any ingredient really listed more than once, then you know they're being split for a reason. So make sure that you're not seeing, you know, if you see rice in multiple places or lentils or peas or any of those, combine them all together, they're probably close to being the number one ingredient in that pet food. They split them so they can show up further down in the ingredients list, again, giving the impression that meat is really the primary ingredient. I would say avoid the word meals. If you see chicken meal, beef meal, sometimes it just says animal meal, and that's really scary because they don't even tell you what animal that is. But if you look at the meals, that means they've all come from the rendered uh, leftover scraps. Um, and again, there is nothing pretty about being anywhere near a rendering plant. So yeah, you, you kind of know. Um, there's a huge difference also between deboned and boneless. Uh, you know, boneless chicken breast, well, that means it's that nice chicken breast that doesn't have the bone. The deboned meat, the mechanically deboned meat, that's what we commonly refer to as the pink slime or the white slime or whatever color the the meat is when it's coming off of that animal. But again, people's like, oh, deboned chicken. Well, they're picturing chicken in their mind. They're not picturing this pan of goo, whatever that goo, yeah, that, that you buy for pennies on the dollar compared to a chicken breast. But those are some of the ways that you can look at the, the types of ingredients and know what comes into that food. I also encourage people to research the pet food companies. Um, you know, I know too much. I don't blindly trust anybody in the industry. But again, knowing the reputation, because we're limited in what we can say, but does a company have a reputation for fresh whole foods? Do do they disclose where their sources are or, you know, to the extent that we're allowed to stay? Uh, do you know what the processing is? There's really two level, two things that, two primary components of pet food quality. One is the quality of the ingredients themselves. The other is the quality of the processing. Now, if you take the low quality rendered process, you know, meat meals, you cannot process them into healthy, healthier food. I mean, you know, you start with low quality ingredients but a low quality product. You can right. take really good quality products and kill them. I mean, I could take my chicken breast and leave it on the barbecue and turn it into a complete briquette and it's not going to be very nutritious. So you can you can process them to death. But again, if you look at the, the ingredients themselves, how they're processed, the standards that they use to process, and then whichever is the lower is going to be the quality of your finished product. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of uh, the first thing they teach you about uh... – uh, what about about computers, right? Garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> that is true. Oh. Garbage in, garbage out. And you get a lot more garbage out. Uh, again, people, <laughs> people don't stop and think about what, what is really going through the pet. You know, their digestive tract is a lot shorter than ours. It, it runs at a lot higher speed. And, you know, they, they have to be able to capture whatever nutrients they can on the way out. And they don't stop and think about how much they're paying per pound for 
they're gardening. Uh, so they're yes, there, right. there are a lot of ways that people can can help to better understand, you know, some terms to watch out for, some terms to avoid, and then overall look at, you know, dry food, you know, kibble being the lowest quality. Canned right. can be somewhat better, but you put those same ingredients in a can, it's not necessarily uh, a healthier food, but slightly less processing. It's not extruded to those same high temperatures. And then we have dehydrated foods. And then, of course, there are raw foods. The reason that I started cooking the meats in my perfect pet, you know, kind of the best of both worlds, uh, raw fruits and vegetables, but the cooked meats. I was vegan most of my life. I'm not now, but I did, definitely did not want raw meat in my refrigerator. And my dogs were therapy dogs with Love on a Leash. And Love on a Leash does not have any restriction on what you feed. But most hospitals, health centers, senior centers, even a growing number of schools now, they ask that you not feed the dogs raw meat within X number of hours from a visit. And that has nothing to do with the health of the pet. It has to do with, you know, you can train the dog not to lick the person, but you cannot train the little old lady or the child not to try to kiss the dog. And so you've got that potential for transfer from that piece of raw chicken that the dog just ate to the person gotcha. who might have to have a compromised immune system. So that's the reason that I started with, well, I'm going to use my same food standards. If it's if I'm going to call it good enough for me, I'm going to call it good enough for them. And that's how the hybrid of the cooked and the raw together was founded. And I, I found it to be a continuing great, great combination here. The best of both worlds. Sure, sure. All right. So uh, you said that originally you started as a dot org as really trying to be an educator and a nonprofit. And uh, then because of the. Uh, response and, and things of that nature, you decided to start a business. When did you officially start as a pet food business? Just for clarification, I started as a .net, and that's because myperfectpet.net rhymed. So again, I was not thinking long-term business. I thought, myperfectpet.net, that's kind of cute. So anyway, that's how we started before we turned into myperfectpet.com. And for a while, we went by myperfectpetfood.com because so I did so much with um, you know rescue groups and, and animals, and people started dropping off dogs and cats. And my, my tipping point came one day. I was literally coming out the front door to go to the airport, and there was a box of newborn kittens on the front and I'm like well I can't leave the kittens out here but it's like I don't have time to take care of these kittens so I said okay we're adding food to the end so it's really clear we're food we're not a, a rescue <laughs> organization but yes in April of 2009 is when I officially made it into a for-profit business because it takes a lot of money to run a nonprofit as well um, so now yeah. like I said I'm trying not to be a nonprofit now but my passion remains the education uh, so people understand how to make healthier choices. And also, I think what I would just call basic truth and labeling, pet food companies ought to be held accountable for the terms that they use and the standards that they use. And in the pet food industry, again, we've got food and feed used so interchangeably that I, I think we should be able to make a distinction on which are the products, the ingredients and the products that are true feed quality and which ones are true food quality. I'm not saying that you have to eliminate one or the other, but consumers be able to understand what is it they're purchasing. When they sit down at the dinner table, they know the standard there. They buy it for their pet, not so sure without a lot of homework. So that's where I believe that a little more ability for companies to be upfront and then be held accountable for the claims they make. If they make a claim and they're not accountable for it, then let's get them. 
That's right. That's right. All right. So, uh, so you started at, uh, as a pet food uh, company in 09. Right. And um, did you, how did you do your marketing? I mean, because at this point, you probably already had a, a built in audience or uh, customers buying for uh, some, uh, for your food. Did you start with that or did you start with a big marketing budget? Start up, talk about how you grew your company. I still don't have a big marketing budget, by the way. I would love that. Uh, that would make a lot of these issues go away. So, no, I started with word of mouth. Again, I started small. I said, okay, started in San Diego. I don't really want to do anything outside of San Diego. This is, this San Diego is plenty large. Uh, but I have people then who moved out. Um, one dog in particular, he said his dog had tremors until he went on my food. He goes, what do you put in the food that got rid of the tremors? I'm like, I don't know. I think it's just good, healthy food. Well, he moved out of state, but he would fly through San Diego and say, will you meet me at the airport and so I can still keep the dog on the food? Well, then I had more and more requests. Uh, can we start shipping the food? So it just grew. So it really has been true organic growth. Uh, I am now um, trying to get a little more active in social media because social media is a good way that people can hear about you because it's very personal uh, what you feed your what you feed your kids. I mean, first and foremost, I'm a pet mommy. So these are my babies. These are my kids. Mine don't get one by one supplement. They, they don't get anything that doesn't come out of my perfect pet. I mean, I, I believe it's the best. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if I feel like I need to supplement with anything else, then I think my integrity is violated because I'm feeding what I believe is the best diet. And it's a, it's a pure diet. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it kind of chokes me up just thinking about that. So um, the, the, uh, I love my trend of thought here because I uh, choked a little bit. No but, problem. Um, so, okay, so let's talk about this. Uh, all right, so you started growing the company organically. I think that's great. Uh, and so as you started to grow, did do you remember hitting maybe like a plateau or an obstacle or something like that? What was your first big obstacle that you've hit? Anything that comes to mind? Well, a lot of big obstacles. But one of the first one was learning – well, there are a couple things I've learned. Uh, one was that the pet food industry is ruthless, and I did not understand the the depths to which companies will go to eliminate competition. So I stepped into a raging battlefield. I expected, yeah, a little healthy competition, but I did not expect a raging global bloody battle to be going on with pet food companies. Uh, and even the types of companies, you know, are you in the grocery store, are you in the big box stores, are you in the independents? And, you know, I've often said I would, you know, I'd, I'd put the food in an auto, you know, an auto body shop if I thought they would help to educate consumers on how to buy healthier pets or healthier food for their pets. So personally, I didn't care where it was, but I understand now the distinction that the, you know, the independent um, pet stores really sharing a passion for how do you educate? How do you spend time with each individual customer that you help them understand what is better? What? How do you look for the right ingredients? How to do all the same things I'm saying here? So I really align myself with the independence because we share the same value. We share the same passion. So that's one of the learnings. My second big one is that I can be 100% transparent and honest and not in allowed to get my products licensed in any state because, again, they all assume that pet food companies are lying. Right. Now, I went from a simple belief that, well, they think I'm lying. I just have to prove that I'm not. 
to understanding now the hundreds of millions and literally hundreds of millions of dollars spent lobbying to basically to restrain companies who are using fresh whole foods from being able to claim fresh whole foods and from allowing feed and food to become used interchangeably in the mm. pet food arena. So, you know, money speaks, money talks. Right. So when you have hundreds of millions of dollars lobbying to basically level the playing field so that we can only use that chicken term. Well, and, and, and I think, I want to say this, it, it's not to level the playing field. It's to confuse the playing field because as a consumer, if I'm looking at your, uh, you know, your fresh food and here's a bag of dry dog food, you know, made from China or made in China from, you know, total crap. And, and they both quote, have the same ingredients. I'm going to go, you know, as a consumer, I don't know any better. I'm thinking, well, they're the same product. I'm just going to go with the cheaper one. Exactly. Why do I want to mess with this one over here? Not realizing that right. again, obvious, I was going to say that, that the uh, that the industry bigwigs have have confused the playing field. That, that's you know we see this not only in pet food, but they do this with other consumable products. Mm -hmm. We just see it. I think at a well, I'm closer to the pet sure. food. I think we see it on a larger scale because again, truth in labeling. A lot of consumer advocates out there. Uh, very limited what you can get away with in the in the pet food. But yes, you're right. It's people look at the label, they're both complete, they're both balanced, they're both made with real chicken. Hey, you know, why not save the money and buy this one? There's enough misinformation and partial truths out there that it does really add to the confusion. So, you know, the one of my favorites as well, dry food helps clean the teeth. Well, periodontal disease is number two. That is right under obesity. Actually, in some cases, some, some studies show that a periodontal disease in dogs and cats is actually higher than obesity. Um, and wait, wait, back yeah. up. So, so uh, periodontal disease in our pets, is that also from their diet? Or, or is that really from not brushing their teeth? Because I'm thinking out in the wild, your, your cats or dogs aren't going to brush their teeth. So as a pet owner... Am, am I hurting my pets because I'm feeding them bad dog food or bad cat food and that's hurting their teeth? What's the connection? Well, both both are good. Uh, I mean, taking good care of their teeth is important. Uh, I have one right now that for the life of me, I don't think I've ever brushed all the teeth at the same sitting at, at once. And so I'm, I'm feeling the pain that I've always had dogs that just like sit there and open up and actually the last two I had, they competed with each other. One would try to be like, you know, um, getting in there and getting theirs done again. The one I have now, not so much. So as pet parents, we have to do what we can, do the best that we can. But dry food, actually the dry crunchy food gets lodged in the teeth and the gums and it stays in the mouth a lot mm. longer. Uh, I tell people, it's like, you know what, do you eat corn nuts before you go to bed instead of brushing your teeth so that your teeth get cleaner? It's like, no, or, you know, cereal or Triscuits or whatever dry, crunchy, anything that you eat, it does not clean your teeth. Uh, and it doesn't do any more with the pets. So the longer it stays in the teeth and the gums, the longer it's there growing bacteria, bacteria feeds the, you know, the plaque and the tartar. And they end up with worse, um, worse uh, issues, particularly if the parents don't brush the teeth. Fresh food is, you know, it's very little, it gets lodged in the teeth and the gums. It's also very quickly digested, so it moves out of the mouth. So you tend to have a much cleaner mouth 
much less bacteria in the mouth when you feed the fresh free, feed the fresh food. What yeah, that one three times in the mouth. <laughs> but um, okay. but it's a brilliant marketing campaign by the dry food company saying, oh, we well, need dry food to help clean the teeth. Brilliant because it makes sense until you stop and think about, okay. You're just eating this dry, crunchy food. It doesn't help them any more than it helps us. You need actually need to work harder to get it out. Sure. No, I think it's a great answer. All right. So, so uh, we're almost out of time. So I, I wanted to put this up real quick. Uh, if you guys want to come out and go to myperfectpet.com, myperfectpet.com, and uh, you know there there's a lot of information there. So it. it I went to my pet, myperfectpet.com. You have dog food and cat food. And talk about how you prepare the food because you've been talking about using uh, whole foods and, 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 and superior ingredients. So give us a, a background. How do you, prefer, how do you per, prepare the food? Well, we start with getting only the highest quality food in. So our suppliers know that. I'm, I'm a real quality freak, and if, if it's not perfect, we will send it back. So we get the, the highest quality of the whole foods, the, the muscle meats. We, we don't have any bone or any skin come into the facility. So the, the muscle meats and the fresh fruits and vegetables, we bake the meats. We Anything like the you know whole grain brown rice or if we have potatoes or yams or anything, anything that's baked. And then all of the meat uh, is baked individually. And then we clean and grind all of the vegetables to go in raw and then once those are blended we add the the supplements we do all the supplements in-house as well uh, again we don't bring anything in that we don't have 100 percent quality control in-house it's getting harder and harder to find supplements that don't originate in china or that are manufactured in the u.s and the cost is sometimes a hundred times more to get the U.S. source. But th th those are all the ingredients that we bring in. Then we mix them all together and we form them into our signature food bars. And then those are immediately frozen. And once they're frozen, they come out, they get wrapped. Um, we have two types of packaging. One is where they're wrapped in individual bars, which makes it very convenient for travel or convenient for thawing. Or, you know, if you want to feed a half a bar at a time, you can just take half the bar out. We also package in plastic-free packaging which uses the individual bars but they're not wrapped in any individual containers and then those are shipped off to our distributors and then out to retail stores so it's actually a very simple process we're much like a bakery except instead of flour and sugar we use meat so we have meat going through the ovens instead of flour and sugar the rest of the process is pretty much the same gotcha gotcha and if i order online today i can expect my my uh my food to arrive in what three to four days or do you guys yep. the food arrives the next day the next we try to keep it, the quality is as as time controlled as possible yeah so we we actually get the first pick of the meats in by the way so we don't get the end of the life meat we get stuff that's fresher than you can get in your grocery store uh, so but we try to preserve that so we do freeze immediately it goes right it's in the freezer within a shift and that is shipped overnight so that by the time you get it, it is still frozen solid. Even if it thawed a little bit, I mean, it will last in your refrigerator a few days. You go on a camping trip, it will last in your cooler for a few days. But we do overnight ship just to make sure that you get it still frozen and with as much shelf life as possible. So we shipping is overnight shipping is expensive for that. So most people would prefer to 
go to the store. We we subsidize the shipping to the extent we can, but we have to we have to ask people to help a little bit on that shipping. Sure. But we do get it to you as fresh as possible. And as we grow, then we are able to be in more and more retailers across the U.S. so that people don't can spend the money on food because nobody likes to pay for shipping. Right, right. Well, and it, and it really comes down to what experience you're looking for. Uh, you're right. Uh, nobody wants to pay for shipping, but, you know, do you want a healthier pet? Do you want a pet that's not going to have uh, diabetes or kidney problems or joint problems? So when you factor in the cost of shipping, uh, you know, over, let's say, the life of your pet, uh, it's probably still cheaper than having to go and have surgery and shots and these, you know, massive medical bills that pile up pretty quickly. So it all depends on what experience you want to have. Um, Karen, we're out of time. I, I want to say thank you so much for stopping by. It has been a blast. I'm going to put your your information up here. Guys can go visit Karen and her team at MyPerfectPet.com, MyPerfectPet.com. And Karen, I look forward to having you back again soon. I welcome the opportunity. It's been fun. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.